For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur presented by F.L. Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar along with F.L.'s Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And this evening on our program, it's actually our last of the season. It is. Are you sad? Is there a tear in your eye? A little bit. I'm going to be missing inspiration throughout the summer. Well, you can always listen to the past programs, Dan. Our website, come on. That's true, flmontreal.com on the community section. And this evening, we're going to be uh, talking about political strategy, or at least the business of political strategy, with Adam Daifala of Hatley Strategy. So he'll join us in a little bit. And later on, uh, some HR issues. Yeah, where it's, uh, you know, no, you look outside and it's not really summer, but there's definitely things uh, that you can do for summer and some some things that, uh, that entrepreneurs and employers can keep in mind uh, with their team over the summer and we'll... We'll keep it a little light, given the gloomy weather and some of the gloomy news, and uh, it should be should be some inspirational thoughts from, uh, from Michelin. Um, so Michelin Mayette coming up, HR consultant uh, at FL, a little bit later in the program. But first, some entrepreneurial news and notes, and uh, my entrepreneurial question of the week. And this time, I figured we'd talk about rebranding and how difficult it is for a business to change its name some, some, uh, sometimes. This is something that we're going through now, and in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll be changing the name of, um, of, our, of my company, uh, after five years, to something, to something, yeah, we're still we're still finalizing the details, but provocateurs just didn't feel right anymore, and so we're uh, have going to have a name that better reflects our company in a, in a couple of weeks uh, announced. But it's it was a difficult process, and the brainstorming and the the legal checking and all of this. So it made me wonder, you know, is there even a point anymore to to coming up with a perfect name, or you know, in an age of you know Googles and Yahoos, can your name just be anything? And is is the story about about your company that's most important? The name. Can- can obviously can be anything, but if there is a meaning behind it, I mean, we, we've we've spoken with tons of entrepreneurs, and sometimes there's a reason for the name, and sometimes there's not. Sometimes it's a generic name, and sometimes it's a it's hyphenated or what have you. Uh, I, I think it depends on what you're selling. I think it depends on how cute you want to be. Uh, I think it depends on how marketing minded you are. I think it depends on a lot of factors, but finding a name today, certainly, you know, you Google the name, that that can certainly help you, it can give you lots of ideas, but in as much as it can give you a lot of ideas and you can search out there, it's that much harder because everybody else is doing it. Mm-hmm. But there's no question that whatever name you do find, what's the, for me, got to be the number one thing that you look at first is is the domain name available? Yeah, uh, that's that to me is number one. You can you can find all the names that you want, and you can you can register it and trademark it if you can. But if you can't get that .com .ca .whatever, then you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would also add these days uh, the Twitter handle or the Facebook uh, handle as well. That URL should be accessible too if you're if you if you want to have a, a, a strong brand anyway. But there's no question that there there's lots of options out there. Dan, did you do you bouncing ideas like you know? Th- there's got to be you got to have friends, you got to have people in business. There's you gotta... a committee of about a dozen people. You're on it. <laughs> you've been you've been people yeah. receiving text messages for the last month. Um, it's been tough. My my dad even recommended names. Uh, do you want to hear some of the real suggestions? These are two two real suggestions. Uh, the Sassy Company. And okay. Sassy Incorporated. So I said, thank you very much, Dad, but I don't think that's quite right. <laughs> Unless that's what he truly thinks of you. <laughs> Maybe. But there's no question, uh, finding a name is, is not the easiest. You can be random. Uh, and some people say maybe it's not just the name. Maybe it's the logo. Or maybe it's a tagline. Mm. Uh, and it's not always just the name. But it's it's what people 
think of it. It's what people should be reminded of. It's what the, what should evoke the feelings. Uh, and uh, we're not we're not going to go there with names and try and find one for you, although that would be pretty interesting. But it, I think there's a lot of factors that come into it. Evoke Media was actually on the list, and uh, unfortunately it has taken. There is an Evoke Media in the States, <laughs> but that, that is a good word. Um, so we'll stay tuned for that, and uh, I'll, I will make an announcement on social media. But let's get back to some entrepreneurial news, and this is from the Financial Post. Uh, starting up a company with diapers and soothing close by um, startup culture uh, it's really tough it was pretty tough in the first couple of years of our business and uh, it's certainly these days to uh, uh, to to make waves especially if you're bootstrapping it and paying your own way is uh, is pretty difficult the reality is the the startup companies and even almost any company any entrepreneur there could be family, whether it's your own, whether it's uh, your team's family, you want them to be accessible, you want them to have the right environment. So if you're going to uh, really want the best talent out there, then you got to make sure that getting to work and being at work is accessible. And if it happens to be, this article was really focusing on on the mother side of it, on the female entrepreneurs, and they're, if you can make it simpler for them, to come to work, I think you're going to be one of the few that stand out and you'll get some really talented female entrepreneurial uh, team members to work with you. I think it's a, it's a question of environment. It's a question on, on what you want to make a statement for your team. Some people will, you know, we, we've spoken with a, a bunch of uh, entrepreneurs in the, in the tech side. So some of them is, okay, we'll have games in the room and, and what have you. But when you're working with uh, with young young women and and they want to start families well what do you do to help them what do you do to support them what do you do so to make it easier so that you can have continuity in your business and i think that's uh, that's something that more and more companies are realizing uh, some of them even have daycares there's pop-up camps that uh, there's this company pop-up camp that uh, that can go from office to office and set up and and deal with kids uh, from uh, you know as during the days uh, whether it's during the week or specific days i think this is a uh, not a new trend, but something that's definitely going to become more prevalent. And, uh, and it's, I, I think it's great. Listen, it's, it's making the work environment a more family-oriented atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And the sharing economy will be sharing resources too and spaces. And um, yeah, these are, there are a lot of, uh, I think, uh, the more resources geared uh, towards, uh, towards the, the nomad entrepreneur, I think, than ever before. Um, this is from Accounting Today, 7 Tips for Keeping Client Data Secure. Yeah, there's. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of run through them fairly quickly. It's uh, it's something that hopefully at least everybody's using a, a few of them. Uh, certainly with all the with all the ransomware that's uh, that's there or not. Um, I, I think there's there's definitely things that you can do. And whether you're it's on your own servers, it's in the cloud. There's things you can do. Uh, Dan, I guess we can run through them. Uh, one is uh, don't wait for a data breach. Audit your data protection. If you're saving something, if you're backing it up, make sure your backups actually work. Mm-hmm. Restore them from time to time to make sure they're working. Make sure your clients know about the email security. Make sure so that they feel comfortable with the information that they're they're giving you. And Dan, you and I are in uh, very you know sensitive information services, so they want clients want to feel secure that that their financial statements or or their their PR issues are are not floating around out there. Yep. Uh, don't ignore the the physical security. 
you know, everybody talks about the information, but what about the laptops that are around? What about the computer equipment that somebody can, you know, come in and walk off with? What about if your team members are taking a laptop home and that has information on it? So you, that, that's a factor as well. Wi-Fi, is it secure uh, all the time? You know, is it Wi-Fi? Is it open? You hear, uh, you know, hear stories that you go to, you know, travel and you go to hotels and, and you log on to the, to the hotel's Wi-Fi, but you've now opened up your, your laptop, your computer to other people to hack in. So is your company's Wi-Fi that you're going to log into or VPN uh, into, how secure is that? So that's something that's important as well. Don't transfer sensitive data when you're at Starbucks and using their Wi-Fi. <laughs> Lesson learned, absolutely. Uh, files, are, are, we talked about backup, so that's important. Uh, and then, you know, employees, do you, pro, do, we, do you prohibit them accessing information from certain areas? Do you only let them access it from the office? The, these, these are things that, that, uh, that certainly all businesses and entrepreneurs have to keep in mind. All right. Lastly, uh, before we're heading into the summer, let me just throw this at you uh, real quick before we head to break. Um, any tips in terms of uh, the summer slowdown for some retailers? Uh, what, what could people do to sort of maybe um, ignite their business going into the summer? Is now a good time for uh, for marketing events? I think it's. I think it depends on your. Lo- if you're talking about retailers, where's your location? What's happening around you? Be in tune. Maybe get together with other merchants. You know, there's merchant associations around. But you have to find reasons for somebody to walk into your store. You have to find reasons to somebody to find your business, whether it's online or not. You have to get a little bit creative, I'm sure. Maybe it's finding the right influencer for for a certain period of time. Uh, it it dep- obviously depends on your product or service, but there's no question. And I don't know if it's just the summer, uh, although summer products maybe could be highlighted more, but it's really all year round. If you want to have a blitz, if you want to have certain publicity, uh, figure out what's good for you, what's good for your product, what is working, what's in the environment around you that relates to that, and and really really push for that. Seems like there's always a certain optimism in spring and summer. You know, things are blooming. People want to maybe go out there, spend money a bit more. Seems like a, a good time. They're smiling more. Uh, take advantage. They're walking the streets. So find a way to bring them in. Find a way to bring them in. Coming up, we'll talk the business of political strategy with Adam Daifala of Hatley Strategies. That is up next. Professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you for today's Entrepreneur, the last one of the season, unfortunately, we're back in September. It is, it is uh, sad, but uh, summer's coming. That means summer's coming, Dan. Yes, and this evening we're going to talk a little bit about politics, but mostly the business of politics. And joining us is Adam Daifala, uh, the uh, co-founder of Hatley Strategies. Adam, welcome to CJD. Thank you very much, Dan. Happy to be here. So let's start with uh, just a, a really basic primer. Tell me about Hatley. Sure. We are what's called a public affairs firm, which is not a really well-known domain to most of the public. The way that I like to describe it is it's uh, the relationships between an organization, usually a company, and all of its related parties. So governments, the media, uh, stakeholder groups. Um, it's the way that they interact and and. Um, and have relationships with outside parties. So some people say, oh, it's a lobbying firm. Uh, Some people describe it as uh, public relations. Uh, Some people just consider it to be more business strategy. I think it's a mix of all of those things. But pretty much everything that we do has some sort of a public policy or government angle or a media angle. 
Uh, when people think of lobbying, though, they they think of sort of an old an old guy with a pinstripe suit with a cigar and a glass of scotch in a back room with a with a cabinet minister. That's probably about one uh, percent or less of what we do. And the meetings are never in a bar; they're always in some ugly bureaucratic building. The vast majority of what we do is simply advising companies what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say, who to meet with, who not to meet with. It's it's mainly advice. So what what would be a typical client? It's it's public, it's private companies, it's a large, small? Great question. It's always private companies. Uh, we represent the interests of private companies to government or in the public realm. Often we're doing media relations or strategic communications of some kind. And they range from very small companies to huge public companies. It's It tends to be, though, if you want to sort of draw a common denominator between them all, it tends to be companies that have a high amount of interaction with government or interfacing with government, so the highly regulated industries. Now, when did when did this start? When did Hatley begin? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, Marie-Claude Johnson, who is uh, my business partner and uh, co-founder of the company, she, she wanted to be here tonight, but she had a previous engagement. Uh, she and I knew each other socially uh, several years ago, and uh, she had already started doing some public affairs consulting on her own, and I was looking for a career change. So we got together and started the company in 2010. Now, what were you doing before? Uh, I, I had a few careers before this one, uh, Josh. I was a uh, I was a lawyer. Uh, so, but right immediately before Hatley, I was practicing law at um, Ogilvy Renault, which is now Norton Rose Fulbright. And before that, I was a journalist. I had worked at the National Post in Toronto, and I was a Washington correspondent for a newspaper out of New York City. Uh, and before that, I'd I'd been involved in politics a lot uh, through college and, and high school years. So I was a political journalist slash lawyer. Was there a particular moment, an aha moment, you said, you know what, just got to start on my own, whether it was you or Mary Claude? <laughs> it's a great question. It was more that um, I was starting to do a lot of different things. I started teaching a course at McGill, and I really enjoy writing. I always did and still do. So <clears throat> I came to the conclusion fairly quickly that I needed to make my own schedule. So the logical step for me to take was to start my own business. And then it was sort of like, well, what do I know how to do? And I was trying to think of something where I could combine the legal education and legal work with my journalism and media background and my love of politics. And this job combines all three. We're chatting with Adam Daifala of Hatley Strategies on the business of politics and political strategy. Uh, more with him and some HR talk also later in the show. Coming up. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. We're joined by Adam DeFalo of Hatley Strategies, uh, talking about the business of political strategy. And tell us about the name, Hatley. We were talking about naming a company and the brainstorming exercise and how difficult that is. Uh, how did you guys uh, uh, come up with the name? We were looking for something that was known to both Anglophones and Francophones that they could easily recognize. And Marie-Claude, my business partner, had spent a lot of time in North Hatley uh, growing up and still has a real attachment to the town. Uh, so we just came up with it like that. It was a word that we both knew and liked, and uh, I think it has a certain connotation to it, if you've ever been to the place. Uh, so that was it. There was no scientific exercise behind it, no high-priced uh, 
branding consultant was used. It was, felt right. Yeah, it just it just seemed like a good name. And Hadley Strategy, the dot com was available. Yes, <laughs> indeed it was. <laughs> Very good. Now, so your your start of this new company in 2010. I know Marie Claude, uh, you know, had was doing a little bit on the side to begin with. But when you're launching this new company, was it tough to get your first client or, you know, or was your network really strong enough that it was easy to, to bring in? It was more difficult than I would have imagined, but uh, we were still able to do it within a fairly short time frame. And I think the reason for that was we both had quite good networks and complementary networks. That was something that worked really well for us right from the beginning. Uh, we have both very different backgrounds and different uh, spheres of, of friendship and business associates and, and, and contacts. So we were able to put that to, to work right away. Um, and we were uh, very lucky that we both had a set of mentors and friends who had helped us throughout the years in, in other careers that we've had and activities that we've been involved in that agreed to join us uh, when we created our advisory council. And the advisory council, and, and we've spoken with a number of entrepreneurs, uh, Daniel Recall, advisory boards, consulting, you know, bouncing bouncing ideas off of. And I believe that Hatley Strategy Advisors really made the most of their outside <laughs> advisory council. When we come back from the break, we'll explore that because I think it was a big factor in the success in the operations of your business. More with Adam Dafala of Hatley Strategies, plus Micheline Mayette on HR issues later in the program. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by F.L. Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, and uh, F.L. Josh Miller, of course, along for our last show of the, of the year, uh, our seventh season, if you can believe that. Um, we'll start the 8th in September. Uh, but for now, we're chatting with Adam Defala of Hatley Strategies on the business of political consulting. And uh, Josh, uh, pretty interesting how um, how just, I suppose, you know, we, we talk about sometimes PR and how, that, how there's that side of things. But it's a whole other business once you get into government relations and sort of uh, helping companies navigate those those treacherous waters sometimes. No question. And, then, and that's the service that's provided. But you have to also run your own company. You have to have people. And part of that team that we were chatting about before the break was this advisory council advisory board right and how how has that been instrumental for for you and Medi-Claude and, and Hatley right so <clears throat> I think one of the problems that we had early on is that we started the company when we were we were very young we had we were barely over 30 and um, we hadn't worked in the space a long time Marie-Claude for a short period and me not at all so we weren't like a lot of people starting these types of firms, leaving a giant firm to start their own shop. We weren't like that at all. So we, we identified fairly early on the need to reestablish and, and, and enforce a, an aura of credibility around the company so that people would trust us. So we formed this advisory council of people that we knew and trusted and who had helped us in, in other aspects of our lives. And uh, we've we've used them quite a bit. Uh, we meet them in person once or twice a year. You meet them as a group or individually? Yes, as or? a group. Okay. Yeah, we, we contact them individually quite 
often, a lot more frequently than that, on a one-on-one basis. But we meet once a year, twice a year in person to go over financial statements and business plans and strategy. And uh, they've helped us with everything from questions relating to specific files, uh, all the way to helping us get leads by introducing us to people at clients that we're targeting. Uh, they they helped us seem like a serious business right from the start. And I think that's one of the reasons we were able to establish a good business and a good practice quite quickly. So do they also help on the marketing side? They have their contacts. Like you, you mentioned, there is a credibility factor that comes with it. So does that mean that they're able to help you or assist you in getting your clients, you know, whether it was some of your earlier clients and then, you know, as your reputation built? Yeah, they did. Uh, they all have quite robust private networks uh, themselves from their own business experiences. And they've been very generous in sharing those uh, with us. How many are there? Uh, I think there's seven or eight on it right now. Is it a volunteer basis? Yes, it's completely volunteer. They are not uh, like a board of directors. So they're not uh, they're not in a, in a legal arrangement with us. They're not legally liable or have a fiduciary duty like a member of a board of directors would. It's a strictly voluntary association of people who are willing to affiliate with us and and vouch for us. Has it been the same group since the beginning? Uh, There's been a few uh, resignations and additions. Uh, I think the only person that resigned did so because she took a job that forbade her from having these kinds of (laughs) implications uh, in her life. Uh, And I think maybe one person retired and we've added a few, but it's more or less remained the same for the past seven years. So speaking of of marketing and you know them helping out and sales and all that, what do you do for marketing and what what when you first started, you know Hatley okay, you tried to choose a name that was familiar. What did you do for marketing? What worked for you? It was a mixture of things. We were lucky as I said earlier to have these quite robust complementary networks and the space that we work in is small as I mentioned public affairs is a very small domain. So most people know each other not only in the business but People uh, like us know who the people are within companies that we would desire to have as clients who occupy the jobs that would hire a firm like ours. So the the sort of potential audience you know that we needed to reach to sell our services to is also very finite. And because they tend to come from the same circles as us, uh, we know a lot of them. They're former political staffers or they're mm-hmm. former high-profile media people. Uh, so we know a lot of them already. And then we get a lot of referrals from companies that do the same work as us, but in other jurisdictions. Is it difficult sometimes to um, uh, to to mix business and politics? I found that difficult uh, on occasion with some clients who who want to sort of do political things. Um, how's how's that give and take when you work with a client? You know, to, how do you, how do you tell them to hang back a little bit sometimes? <laughs> it's always a delicate situation, right? Uh, I always advise people to just be themselves, uh, but within reason. It's better to be upfront and open and and very forthright about your views and where you lean and to whom you've donated, I think, than to try to hide it or, uh, you know, pretend that you don't really have a bias. So we always tell people to be very open and honest with it. Um, Another question that sort of uh, is similar to what you just asked is people ask us all the time whether or not a change in government has an impact on our business. And along the same lines... It doesn't really. Uh, We've done just as well throughout the Liberals 
being in power provincially and federally to when the PQ was in power provincially and the conservatives federally. And the reason for that is most people and people in the civil service, who we have to deal with a lot, know that we're professionals and that governments come and go, and we try to maintain a good relationship with everybody on a professional basis. So you say there's not a ton of competition, or the competition that's out there, you pretty much have a good idea because it's a small community. Oh, sure. So does that mean displacing an incumbent, an incumbent <laughs> uh, is is difficult, is easy, like... You have a, I don't know, maybe an anecdote or something that ter- kind of works. Yes, it's a terrific question to which we, on which we've reflected quite a lot. A lot of our business comes from outside of the province. It comes from people who uh, are not located here, but who may have uh, installations here or a project here or some sort of business interest here. Uh, the the toughest clients for us to get have been local businesses, the so-called Quebec Inc. And a big reason for that is it's a mature sector with a lot of incumbents, as you said, Josh. I remember at one of the very first advisory board meetings we had, we expressed our frustration to them about not getting some of these big blue chip local companies as clients. And one of them said to us, have you ever heard the expression, nobody ever got fired for buying IBM? And I said, no, I've never heard that. Apparently, it's a very well-known business mm-hmm. saying, and what it means is, well, it's quite obvious, it's that you don't get hurt inside of a large organization for engaging what's known to be the best, because even if the best screws up, you can cover your butt by saying that you hired the best and even they couldn't get it done. So we've encountered a lot of that, especially in the early years, which was very frustrating, but now we're confident and I, and I can tell you that we've been able to compete with the big incumbents. I would imagine that technology plays a role and it can probably hurt you and help you. Where do you see that and and, and any changes in this agency space uh, and the industry going forward? The relationship between uh, public affairs, lobbying, let's call it that, or government relations, and public relations is no longer uh, siloed. Everything has to be looked at as a whole. And public relations and media relations and stakeholder engagement and stakeholder management is totally inseparable from uh, your goal uh, to change a law or to advocate for a change in public policy or whatever your government need might be. The way politics is today, uh, most people, unfortunately, I think, won't react to private pressure. They'll only do something or change their mind if there's... There's a there's a there's a there's a realization or an assumption that the public is behind that idea. So without pressuring them or I would say very candidly shaming them in public, it's hard to get a politician to change his or her mind these days. So the big change is that that everything has to be seen as a holistic. So what does that mean for Hatley? What's next for Hatley? Does, <laughs> does anything have to change then? No, not really because that's what that's what we do now. Uh, but I, I just think the tr- the trend of uh, social media, of of being involved in 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 dialogue online, uh, reputation management is going to continue getting more important and more difficult uh, to manage. It's very very difficult to uh, keep on top of these things and to monitor these things or to control a message. Right, the old days of PR used to be all about controlling a message, and today it's impossible to do that because there are so many social media channels out there and so many people on them that it's impossible to have any sort of control over what other people are saying. So I think, if anything, the job gets even more difficult. 
and no question monitoring or you know always checking your online reputation is huge and and that's that's definitely something that uh that is going to go forward and it's, it's definitely going to be a hot topic going forward no no question about it thank you very much adam We'll have Adam DeFellows from one piece of advice uh, for today's entrepreneur coming up uh, in a, a little later. But uh, coming up next, we'll talk about HR issues heading into the summer uh, with with uh, Micheline Mayette of FL. Uh, that is on the way. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you for the last edition of today's Entrepreneur of the Year. I will have Adam Daifala's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur coming up uh, in just a few minutes. But first, we're joined by Micheline Mayette, HR consultant at FL. Welcome back, Micheline. Hi, Dan. And so the summer's coming up. A lot of people are going to maybe slack off a little bit, uh, work <laughs> well, in the sun. I don't know about slacking <laughs> off, but uh, but certainly on days like today, you know, the, the employees keeping them engaged and motivated, there's definitely a challenge for entrepreneurs. So as we look to hopefully summer sun coming around the corner, uh, Michelin, what are some of the thoughts that entrepreneurs can keep in mind to help keep their team engaged and happy and productive? Yeah, I mean, this summer looks like it's going to be a short one, unfortunately. So hopefully, hopefully it'll last into the fall this year since we haven't had much of a spring. But, you know, just some things to think about really as far as engagements and fun things that employers can do to, you know, keep employees uh you know, help them enjoy the summer a little bit better. So, I mean, you really want to think about just helping them get outdoors. So it could be at lunch, uh, having a walking club, uh, having picnic tables if you can. Uh, you know, I've seen places that go outside and if they have a lawn, set up a volleyball net for some fun games at lunch. So it's really how to, you know, how to get people to embrace the summer even at work. Now, really just lunchtime stuff or beginning of day, end of day, I guess it depends on your business. Yeah, 100%. I mean, obviously, you can't set up a volleyball net if you're in the heart of downtown Montreal. It's a little bit trickier. Um, but I mean, even a few policy things that companies do, a lot of companies today have summer hours. So um, sometimes it could be, you know, everybody gets to leave a bit earlier on Friday to take advantage of the long weekend. So um, it might be able to help people focus a little bit more at work when they know, uh, you know, they get a bit of a longer weekend to enjoy, uh, enjoy the sun. Um, but you know, it could even be something as simple, just bringing in ice cream one afternoon, you know, while people are at work. So just something, you know, fun to just show that, uh, you know, everybody loves the summer, everybody loves ice cream. So how to just get people into a good mood every day. I guess you can also check with your your employees, your team, you know, what do they like to do? You know, I guess if mm-hmm. you engage them or, or involve them in, in what activities they might like, it, it might even prove to be even more engaging. A hundred percent. I mean, if you have a company that has a lot of people who like to ride their bikes, make sure that you have a place that people can actually lock them up. So something as simple as a bike rack sometimes can just make people's lives easier. Um, setting up a, a corporate sports team, setting up, doing a fundraising activity as a team event. I mean, these could be great team building activities on top of it. Now, is this something that you, you need to put into a, an employee policy manual from a, a safety aspect or like how does how does that work into it I mean a lot of this stuff can just be done informally and I think it's even more fun when it's when you do it a little bit fly you know by the seat of your pants type of thing let's just do something fun today to boost uh, boost the spirit in the office um, you know there are some things you have to be careful of if you have employees working outdoors for example 
um, and it's hot outside, then it's good for people to know there's certain, you know, ways that you have to make sure you protect employees from the heat. So it could be things like uh, you, you could be required to bring them a glass of water every 10 or 20 minutes, depending how hot it is, or, you know, require them to take breaks at certain intervals. So uh, so some of, I guess, the downfalls of, of the summer, the nice summer sun, you know, could be... Uh, some of the dangers that come with it. No question. If you're organizing activities, you got to keep in mind that you know there there is there is safety factors that come into play. Yeah, for sure. More on HR issues heading into the summer. Plus, Adam's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. That's next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Adam DeFala here of Hatley Strategies is one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. But first, chatting about HR issues heading into the summer with Micheline Mayette. And we're, we're talking about kind of off air a little creative ideas and what can be done. Uh, Adam, I'll kind of turn to you. And you, you have a, a small group, uh, seven, eight people, give or take. What have you guys done to kind of have fun amongst your team and keep it light and keep the group? together. We've had a lot of fun activities over the years. Some of the more recent ones that come to, to mind right away are we went sailing uh, because Marie-Claude is an avid sailor. So we, we went on a on a very nice sailboat, not just a little, you know, two-seater, like a real boat. On Lake Champlain, uh, we went skeet shooting one time at the Chateau Montebello. Um, we always have dinners uh, at Christmas time, obviously. Um, what else have we done? We did curling. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did curling when you're a lot. So a lot of sports activities. Um, yeah, that's great. And and it certainly keeps people engaged. There's no question when, when we do activities in the summer, uh, you know, people are talking about it for days and weeks. And, and it's uh, it's good to get it together. Michelin, what are, what are some of the, the thoughts or ideas that you've, you've had? Yeah, I mean, it could just be, you know, relaxing, like having a spa day, or it could be something a bit more, you know, exercise related. So like hiking, uh, golfing, uh there's really all kind of, even a bike ride, you know, just organizing. It's nice every once in a while. There's a cost involved in it, but just having a nice day or a half day off where everybody can go relax together outside. I mean, I think that's really uh, Would you, great for, for team sure. spirit. Do you, do you think it's 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 a good idea to bring in a third party to to facilitate this or do it yourself because you really know your own people? I tend to be more of the do it yourself but it does it does take time and planning so i can see definitely the use sometimes for using somebody outside but it's really hard sometimes to capture the culture of the organization what people are going to like so you know often what we'll do is do like little surveys of people like to see out of different activities what do people prefer and then change it up from one year to the next I think it's yeah. great. I, I think we have to. I, there's there's an axe throwing uh, uh, place that I think we should we should bring the team out there and try that. Thanks very much, Michelin. Okay, and as welcome. we approach as we approach the last minute of last moment of our show uh, in this uh, final show of our seventh season, I will turn to Adam Defalla of Hatley Strategy Advisors and ask you, Adam, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? I was going to say to start an advisory board, especially for young startup businesses, but I'm going to take it a step higher to a higher level, which is really just to to not be afraid to ask. People are constantly afraid of phoning up someone who they think is too cool or too busy or wouldn't talk to them. You would be surprised at how many busy, successful people are willing to help out young entrepreneurs and uh, give advice and maybe even sit on an advisory board or a prestigious client that you think is out of your reach. It might not be. So don't be afraid to ask. 
and I will echo that sentiment because there's, you know, we, you know, with a, whatever mentor program or, or some professionals that I've mentored over the years, it's great to give back. But the reality is I get equally inspired by the enthusiasm behind somebody asking a question. So I think it's great. Uh, great commentary. Thanks very much, Adam. You're Adam Daifala of Hatley Strategies, uh, thanks so much for joining us on our season finale. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks to Mission Mayette as well, HR consultant thanks. at FL. We'll see you in the fall, Michelin. Great. And thank you, Josh, for another great season. Dan, thanks to you too. Looking forward to seeing what uh, name you're going to come up with. And uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing some sunshine. All right. Don't forget all these shows, flmontreal.com on the community section. You can go through the whole uh, season, legal logic, oops mark. Uh, Plan Box, Rise Kombucha, and more, flmontreal.com. Have a great summer.